Greetings. Welcome to our 18th episode of the FGI podcast series. My name is Tim Stark, and I'm a professor of civil engineering at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And hello, everyone. My name is Jen Miller, and I'm the coordinator of the Fabricated Geomembrane Institute, or the FGI. On today's episode, we're going to focus on geomembrane wrinkles. Tim, you gave a webinar titled Geomembrane Wrinkles in Containment Applications on September 17th of this year. We received a number of questions about geomembrane wrinkles that I'd like to ask you now. So let's get started. First question, during the webinar, you mentioned there are regulations to limit wrinkles. Is there any specific regulation that has launched recently? The Ohio Environmental Protection Agency is on the verge of issuing their final rule for wrinkles, and I'll describe that in a minute. But wrinkle compliance through this new regulation will be effective after the date of promulgation of the new rule. So permits after that effective date will have to comply with the new wrinkle requirements. Existing facilities that do not, ha do not have to comply right away, but if there are permanent changes, then they will have to comply with the new wrinkle uh, requirement. And of course, they have to undergo a 10-year compliance update, and at that time, they would also have to uh, comply with the new wrinkle ordinance. The new ordinance, or a guideline will require wrinkle heights less than four inches. And if a wrinkle is greater than four inches, the wrinkle must be flattened before the next layer can be applied on top of the geomembrane, which could be the gravel drainage layer or a geotextile. The Ohio EPA will measure wrinkles in front of the gravel as it's being placed across the sheet. And it is there where the wrinkle must be under four inches. Okay. The next question is a question related to wrinkles and folds that I described as part of T. Yang Song's PhD work at Drexel University. It says, can you comment on the implications for holes per wrinkle in your example calculations? Yes, so wrinkles are a location of stress cracks, and T. Yang shows this in his work. And so if it's an area of stress crack, then that would be an area of a defect, which means it could also be a point of leakage. So Kerry Rowe has concluded that if 20% of the entire area is occupied by wrinkles, there's a 67% probability that that 5% of the entire area is occupied by wrinkles and there is a 23% probability that at least one hole is coincident with a wrinkle. So there is a connection between the wrinkle and the hole and thus the leakage. The next question is, is there any way to use suction beneath the geomembrane as a means to remove the wrinkles, such as placing suction pipes and then uh, placing a vacuum? Generally, the geomembrane is too large to do that on a wide or a large scale. You could do it very locally. 
Some of the geomembranes, though, are fairly rigid, like high-density polyethylene, and you would not be able to pull that wrinkle down. But some of the more flexible geomembranes will have much smaller wrinkles, and there you might be able to pull it down with a vacuum. Why does the linkage calculator not include reinforced geomembranes? We are adding reinforced geomembranes to the, the leakage calculator, and that should be done in the next couple weeks, so please visit the FGI website. Is there a minimum wrinkle size, height, or width you recommend fixing when observed in the field? At what wrinkle height do you re recommend start repairing? I think you should start repairing between two and three inches. Ohio EPA is going to let it go to four inches. But remember, subtitle D requires intimate contact between the geomembrane and the underlying subgrade. So any kind of wrinkle does not comply with subtitle D. So then the next big question is, are the wrinkles interconnected? Because if they are interconnected, you have a much larger seepage area. Because if a defect appears near a wrinkle, then that liquid gets under the geomembrane and can flow through these inter interconnected wrinkles and thus increase the leakage significantly. So I would use a much smaller wrinkle height, two inches to three inches tops. Okay, great. Tim, can you name some types of fabric reinforced geomembranes? Sure, there are a number of types and I'll just name a few. Polypropylene, polyethylene, um, EVA or ethylene vinyl acetate, thermoplastic urethane. So there are many geomembranes that can be constructed with a reinforcing fabric and that's important because it increases the dimensional stability of the geomembrane and what that means is it will wrinkle a lot less. Next question is, does the reduction of frictional resistance of the under, with the underlying subgrade due to the wrinkles uh, have issues with slope stability? Yes, because when the geomembrane is not in contact with the subgrade, it cannot generate shear resistance for slope stability purposes. The, I don't know of a paper yet that has quantified this, but what I have been doing is calculating or estimating the percent of wrinkles, and you can use Professor Rowe's research, say 5 to 20 percent, and you can reduce your interface strength envelope, your peak interface or your large displacement interface strength envelope, by that percentage of area. So if it's 5 percent, reduce the envelope 5 percent and then calculate the factor of safety. Next question is, find the, do you find the use of cushion geotextiles as either full or partial replacement for the soil protection layer above the geomembrane? Does this lead to more serious wrinkles? Generally, wrinkles occur before the overlying material is placed, and that could be the cushion geotextile or the gravel. And that's why Ohio EPA is focused on the wrinkle at the time of placement of the overlying material, whether it's the geotextile or the geomembrane. 
is geomembrane dimensional stability an important factor in design? Yes, and dimensional stability, you can measure that fairly easily with ASTM D, as in David, 1204. And it's a pretty simple test. You put a 12 by 12 inch piece of the geomembrane in the oven and see how much it shrinks when it's heated. This gives you an idea of the thermal expansion and contraction of the geomembrane. So the higher or the better the, the dimensional stability, the less wrinkles you'll have because the geomembrane is less susceptible to thermal changes. Is there a study between dimensional stability and leakage rates? Uh, I don't know of one, but I am adding dimensional stability also to the geomembrane leakage calculator so users can go in and input the dimensional stability or select the geomembrane and I'll have a database of dimensional stability for different geomembranes. And then you can obtain a plot of dimensional stability on the horizontal axis and leakage rate on the vertical axis. So you could write a specification for your project based on the leakage rate you want. So you could specify, say, 10 gallons per day and read across to the curve, and that would tell you what dimensional stability you have to have to meet that leakage rate. And that makes a very performance-based specification. So that is coming to the, to the calculator. Next question is, do the hot air patches work on HDPE that I mentioned during the webinar? No. HDPE, you cannot use hot air patches. You must grind the surface, the waxes, and so on off the top of the HDPE to get the extrusion well to stick to the HDPE. Hot air patches work on all non-HDPE geomembranes. So, next question. Requiring thicker HDPE geomembranes than more flexible materials seems to exaggerate the potential for wrinkles and leakage. Um, the Subtitle D requires a 60 mil thick HDPE for welding purposes, and because it was specifically mentioned in Subtitle D and some aggressive marketing, a lot of people sort of defaulted to HDPE. Okay, so why are HDPE and LLDPE so commonly used if their leakage rate is so much higher compared to PVC geomembranes? Yeah, that, that's a great question and to follow up the prior one because again subtitle D only mentioned one type of geomembrane and it happened to be HDPE because you needed twice the thickness to weld it and the other FMLs flexible membrane liners so if you read subtitle D it only requires a 30 mil thick FML or flexible membrane liner and then in parentheses, it says, oh, if you use HDPE, it must be 60 mil so it can be welded. That, with some aggressive marketing, got HDPE into waste containment facilities. And I think um, it's certainly overused in non-waste facilities. The main 
attribute of HDPE is chemical resistance, so it doesn't really need to be used in a potable water application where there's no contaminants. Okay, if we, next question. If wrinkles are commonplace, um, basically the construction does not seem to meet state regulations. Has there been a push from the engineering community for states to tweak the regulations to accommodate wrinkles? <laughs> well, Ohio EPA is putting some guardrails up at least now that four inches is the top wrinkle. I think states should enforce the intimate contact requirement that subtitle D requires. It is done in Europe. Sure, it's more expensive than what occurs in the United States, but it can be done, and if there is intimate contact, the leakage is far less than if wrinkles are present. And I showed in the webinar, leakage is 100 to 1,000 times more with wrinkles. So instead of having states tweak the regulations to accommodate wrinkles, I think the state should enforce subtitle D such that we maximize intimate contact. Next question, hot air patching. Is, that, is there a standard ASTM test method for performing the air patching, like minimum temperature, uh, airflow, etc.? There is no ASTM method for the hot gun patch or air patch, but you can perform destructive and non-destructive tests on the patch to ensure that it is a quality seam all the way around the patch. That can easily be done with an air lance test and a vacuum box test. And there are videos on the FGI website that show you how to conduct the air lance test and the vacuum box test. They're listed under test videos. Yes, they are. Okay, so what liner material, material would you recommend for exposed ponds? That's a difficult question. The main variables to think about for exposed applications are ultraviolet exposure, wind or uplift, abrasion to debris, traffic, ice blowing across the top of the geomembrane, and of course temperature. So let's take these one at a time. UV exposure, good geomembranes for those are CSPE, the Elvaloys or EIAs, EPDM, uh, various reinforced polyethylene type geomembranes, um, polypropylene, reinforced polypropylene, UV stable, PVC, and LLDPE. For wind, reinforced products do better because they do not expand and contract such that the wind uplift and whipping due to the wind is much lower. So if you're in a open windy area, you should probably look towards a reinforced geomembrane. If abrasion resistance is, is a concern such as blowing debris, traffic on top of it, people walking or ice uh, blowing across the geomembrane top, you should use also a reinforced product. If there are extreme temperature fluctuations, dimensional stability is important, and reinforced products, geomembranes, have the better dimensional stability because of the reinforcing fabric. Last question. On 20, slide 26, I broke down the states that had different standards regarding liner requirements and wrinkles. 
I just lumped them in three categories. I said 36 states require intimate slash direct contact. Four states say minimize the wrinkles and seven states are vague. And this question is, can you break down the state by states under each of these three categories? So here we go. 36 states with intimate slash direct contact. Alaska, Alabama, Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Montana, North Carolina, North Dakota, New England, I'm sorry, Nebraska, New Jersey, Nevada, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Vermont, Wisconsin, Hawaii, Idaho, Missouri, Mississippi, New Hampshire, and Oregon. Four states that say minimize wrinkles, Minnesota, Tennessee, Washington, Wyoming, and seven states that are vague on wrinkles. One of these is going to change very soon. Kentucky, Delaware, West Virginia, Maine, Ohio, which will change very soon, and Connecticut. That's great. Thank you, Tim. That's about all the time we have for today. I really appreciate all of your input. If you have any questions or would like any additional information, please email me and or Tim at fabricatedgeomembrane at gmail.com or visit the FGI website at fabricatedgeomembrane.com. Thanks. Thanks. See ya.